Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of the Hangouts with Charles podcast. You know this is the place to be. It's your host, Helen Charles. If you're here for the first time, welcome or returning to the podcast. Welcome back. Namaste. I hope as always your time here is well spent and you can pick one or two lessons. You can find me on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. Just search for Hangout with Charles. Now will be the time for you to find a nice place to settle in with your earplugs and listen this is episode 8 and it's titled stop stop please stop don't do this please i beg you i beg you please don't do this to me those were the words i said to my rapist as i begged him and he refused he laughed at me he said you are my grabs now and i can do to you whatever i like and i'm going to get away with it you see i fought i fought so hard where you're threatened with a knife and you can see your life hanging in the balance there is only so much you can do there is only so much fight you can put up so i lay there my body physically present but my mind trying so hard to block the whole experience I can hear the wheels turning in your head. I feel the weight of your unasked questions in the air. So spit it out. Ask me where I was when it happened, what I was wearing, or if I went to his house. Yes. Tell me how somehow all of this is my fault. He's a guy. I must have been the one sending confusing signals and he could not stop himself. Say it and it with your chest now, but you know before I would I be? You know the truth is, none of these matter. There is no reason whatsoever that you can give that will ever justify rape. But for the sake of conversation, I will respond. I was in my house and I'd invited someone I thought was my friend over. This was not the first time we had hung out together, so there was no reason to suspect anything. Yes, I was decently dressed. Not like he would have changed anything, but I was. Let me go. I don't want this. Leave me alone. I'll report you to my parents. That was my cry when that uncle forcefully raped me. He said he was teaching me how to be a strong man. That he loved me so much, but if I reported, he would kill my parents and me. He was feared by everyone. And no one would have believed me anyway. His words were law. He was a powerful senator, someone you know. And I did not want my parents to die. Because I knew he would kill them if I so much as mentioned it to anyone. So I endured this for years. There were rumors that he had done this before, but somehow they covered it up. He was that powerful and could buy the consciences of the judges. He had the police eating out of his palms and they were always willing to do his beatings. You too. You would have looked the way. It does not concern you, so you say. So you don't want to get involved. He's a person of influence, but you forget that I... I never asked for any of this to happen. You 
forget that he stole my innocence and took all my dreams with him. I was just a little boy when all of this happened. The three-month-old babe had no words, just her tears and cry as he forced his way into her body, ripped her apart, and as she laid in the hospital bed fighting for her life. I could not imagine what must have attracted her to him. Was her body ripe? Was she dressed seductively or any of the reasons you vow people come up with? What excuse do you have? How do you explain it? It was for some diabolic purpose, Abby. Yes. One useless excuse after another. Come on, even you can do better than that. Would you justify it this time? Tell us how somehow it was her fault. Make her out to be some temptress as you tell the others who have been down this road before and you cower them into silence. In case you were wondering, she did not make it out of the hospital alive. Her parents were forced to bury this child they had longed and prayed for. Let that sink in the next time you're ready to make excuses. Don't tell anyone. It's just a game between you and I. Trust me, you know I love you. Augusto, I don't want it. I don't want to play. Shh, you will like it. And that began a decade worth of rape and abuse. It's me being passed on from one uncle to another aunt to one cousin to another neighbor. There had to be something wrong with me, right? The back of my head that said I was desperate to take it. I finally decided to spill it out. And you could guess the response at deliverance sessions. Of all things, a deliverance session. But of course, there must be something wrong with me. I must have been possessed as such the demons in me needed to be cast out. They called the family meeting after I told my parents. This was after the deliverance session. And they made me repeat the story again. And it came to the conclusion that I was the one who caused everything. Me, a child, was a seductress. I begged for it now. If not, why would it have happened multiple times? He said that we should not report to the police. That it was a family matter. And I saw should be handled within the family. No need to air our dirty leanings to the public. As my uncle put it, they were protecting me from the shame of the rape and abuse. As per which morally upright man would want to get married to a used and dirty product like me. So if I wanted any chance at a better future, I should keep quiet. They asked them to apologize and promise not to repeat it. You see, my cousin had gotten a scholarship to study medicine at an Ivy League college abroad. And my aunt was getting married soon. As such, I shouldn't destroy their future. I look at them now, all playing happy family with their wives and husbands and children. 
I wonder if they are not aware of the damage they caused to one child who shouldn't have had to grow up too soon. I should not have destroyed their future. But they were within rights to destroy my own life. He said I should have reported to the police, right? Damned my family and just gone ahead to tell the whole world that my own family could not protect me. But I do not know who is worse. The police who will not treat it seriously and ask for bribes to do their jobs. Or the family who were so protective of their family name and how they would look in the face of others that they forgot the one person who mattered in all of this. I decided to do a research on the statistics of rape in Nigeria and the most recent is as of 2017. With 2,279 rape cases, zero convictions and a study that estimates that only 5% of rape cases are reported due to the legal requirements needed to prove the case, lack of trust in the criminal justice system, police brutality and extortion and the fear of stigmatization. And only 3.5 of this 5% are provided any sort of services. The world figures are even more staggering with about 5% of women worldwide having experienced some form of sexual violence. If I brought it to the people's court on Twitter, I'm sure the backlash that would have followed would have sent me back into depression. I would have been ostracized. The victim shaming would have been so terrible that it would just be easy to keep quiet and pretend that all of this never happened because the cases are underreported you think it's not happening or you want to make excuses for the rapist don't let the numbers deceive you into thinking that you were safe you act on consent now until it hits home until the next victim who is violated or sometimes killed is your friend brother sister wife cousin girlfriend son daughter you begin the campaign for stiffer punishments because somehow it has become personal to you. Don't wait until someone you know who has been affected by this terrible epidemic before you speak up. The stakes are getting higher and these criminals are getting bolder, seeking to control their victims because it is not just a one-time violation. It is all the attendant aftermath of the events that no one briefs you about. Where do I start from? The sleepless nights, all the feelings of worthlessness and the accompanying suicidal thoughts. Did you not tell you that sometimes you crave death? That you ask God to be merciful to you and take your life? Because life truly has no meaning for you. And each day leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. Do not explain that you constantly feel dirty. And no matter how many times you take a bath, it does not wash up this imaginary debt. And the way you get raped a second and third time, that you somehow begin to see it as your fault. There must be something wrong with you now. For it to happen again and again, how about you're not the only one living in the country? Did you not prepare you for the constant looking over your shoulders? The nightmares, the panic attack, the hypervigilance, or the perpetual fear you have of people finding out? Of the blames from those who don't understand your pain? 
the loss of your self-esteem or the fear that you just might be diagnosed with an STD someday or worse, HIV. Nothing, nothing prepares you for the lack of trust you begin to feel or the many times you will question your self-worth and sanity. They do not tell you that your body gets so used to the abuse that you begin to see it as normal. Or that you now have to add masturbation, pornography, and fornication to the list of the battles that you're fighting. Because your body craves the torch from all the years of abuse. And you're not strong enough to deny your flesh. They do not tell you that therapy is damn expensive. I just not heal you in one session. But only help to keep the demons at bay. Or that you will continuously ask yourself this question. Why me? No one. Nothing truly prepares you for the depression that you would face. They do not tell you that you would be diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, also called dissociative identity disorder, because your mind tries to cope with the trauma as best as it can, as such creating different personalities for different situations. They do not tell you that you have no control over it and anything can trigger this. You don't understand what it means to constantly be on drugs just to survive. You see, I went to a Christian therapist. You don't know the courage it took for me to open up. Or the many times when I just sat down and cried at the therapy sessions. Because I couldn't find the words to describe how I felt. One reason why I went was because I wanted to be able to share the struggles I was experiencing with my addictions with someone who believed. I remember the first time we met and she looked at me, stood up from her seat and hugged me and whispered in my ears, God loves you. Those words would be the reason I returned to the therapy session time and again, even when the things she asked me to do were outright painful and hard. Sometimes, I wondered, does God love me? Because if he did, why didn't he stop it? Why did it allow it go on? He could, he could, he could have stopped them before I became damaged. Yes, he could have stopped them. But I came to the realization that God is not to be blamed for people's actions because he gives us the free will to decide. The recurring theme of our conversations in therapy was forgiveness. My therapist would quote the words, these words by Jamie Beaver. Forgiveness is not something you do for someone else. It's something you do for yourself. To forgive is not to condone. It is to refuse to continue feeling bad about an injury. She would tell me I needed to let go of the shame, guilt, anger, feelings of betrayals, and hatred I carried everywhere with me. I needed to shed the weight weight off as it was part of the healing process. Her favorite prayer was the Our Father. And when she got to the part where it says, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. She would take a pause and invite me to meditate. 
Then the first day she said this, I walked out of the session. I was tempted to end the sessions. Here was coming to her for help. And her first response was to forgive. It was absolutely ridiculous. How do you tell me to forgive? Where do I start from? Do they deserve forgiveness? They have never asked me for forgiveness. They have moved on with their lives while I was left here scrambling to pick up the pieces of mine. Where they were committing the crime and turning my life into a living hell did they consider me? So why am I the one who has to forgive? They have to pay the price for their actions They must be made to have a taste of the pain they have put me through. They could born in hell for all I cared. And I truly did not care. Pain I felt left no room for forgiveness. They know how many accountability partners I had just so I could stop the pornography and masturbation addiction that they had introduced me to. Did they know how many times I cried myself to sleep of the bouts of insomnia I had to deal with? Or the many times I prayed and it felt like God was not listening. Or if he was, he could not be bothered to hear me. They know what it feels like to say sorry over and over again for the same things. To feel like I make one step forward and take ten steps backward. All the times I felt like I was condemned to hell because my addictions were taking over my life. Nothing I was doing helped. Because I kept going back to my vomit. They did not know. And there she was telling me that I had to forgive. I was the one wronged. They should be begging me for forgiveness, not the other way around. They deserve to pay the price for their despicable actions. So let no one preach to me about forgiveness. Until they have walked in my shoes, they should not tell me how to act or how to feel. I kept going for therapy because sometimes I just wanted to talk about how I felt or how my day went and all the struggles I was going through. I went to therapy for seven years. Seven years of crying, fasting and prayer, of confessing of accountability partners, of failing and rising to truly heal. Yes. That's how long it took me to exercise the demons of the past from the first day I started therapy. And I had to forgive them. All because Jim was right. I needed it for myself, not just for them. And because I forgave doesn't mean I condone. I forgive as Christ forgives me. To heal, you must forgive. You cannot run or shy away from this. Hard as it might be, you have to do it. The questions you might ask me would be this. Can't God touch the heart of a rapist? Where is the place of forgiveness in all of this? The answer is a simple one. Yes, he can. But should the rapist pay the price for his actions? Yes, they should. We are all seen as before the Lord condemned to hell and God saved us for himself. And though we must extend the compassion of Christ to all, people must serve as deterrents to others and must face, must face the full wrath of the law. Justice must run its full course.
I am not telling you my story to garner sympathy and pity. I control a self-pity party all by myself, complete with cupcakes and ice cream. I'm telling this so that you can fight this battle with me, so that you do not remain on the sidelines. You cannot afford to be indifferent. We cannot afford to fail this injustice with our silence. So you, yes you, speak up. Put a card into silence. Let the words say what they want to say. Speak the truth. And for you, don't cover up for that uncle, that aunt, that friend, that family member. Don't do that. Don't be the reason why another person feels like there is no hope or is unable to move forward from their past. Again, speak up when you see injustice happening. Stop the victimizing and the blame game. It does not help. You gain nothing from being a social media bully. It has been a long road from the girl I was to the woman I'm becoming. And the road to healing is a long, painful one. But you are not alone. You are never alone. There are people willing to help you show the part of the load if you left them. There are groups willing to take up the cause and fight for justice. There is therapy just so that you are able to process things and can let go of the burden. There are people who are willing to keep you accountable. You truly have a father that cares much more than you can imagine. He loves you. He looks at you and he reassures you as his word says in Isaiah 43 verse 1 to 4. Now, this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be scorched and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. See how your father calls you by name. You are his, his beloved. You don't have to wear the tag victim. You are not defined by your past or the things that have been done to you or the mistakes you have made. It does not matter what the word says, you are the child of the king and so you will answer only to the names that he calls you. He says you are forgiven, redeemed, chosen, whole, accepted, pure, precious, blameless, free. You cannot do it all alone. You cannot heal all by yourself. So allow God to help you. He wants to help you. He's willing to see you through the journey to healing and redemption. This insurmountable river of pain and despair will not overwhelm you because your father holds you by the hands to lead you through it. Once again, the road isn't smooth. There'll be relapses, there'll be times when you can't find the strength to go on. There'll be moments of doubt and weaknesses, days when sadness pervades the air, and all you can feel is the is pain the kind that defies description. But you can do it. You can live a life where the pain of the past does not form part of your everyday experience. It's possible. And I know that you're weary, lost, and cannot seem to find the way or the strength to move on. Christ says to you today, just as he said in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Today, Christ offers you hope, beauty for your ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Accept it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, share, and tell a friend to tell a friend that this is the place to be. This has been one of the hardest episodes to do, and I do not intend to do something so emotional in a long while. A disclaimer, this is not my story, so don't come and ask me what happened. I show. There are a couple of organizations that handle rape issues. I'll put the handles in the show notes. Please reach out to them. You don't need to go through this alone. Special thanks to everyone who has dropped the feedback. It's been amazing. You could also send a voice memo on Anchor. Also follow me on Instagram at ccchels and on Twitter at telling Charles. I will catch you in episode 9. And until then, always remember that you're loved so much by your father. Nothing will ever change that. Bye-bye.